My name is Dr. Michaela Keegan Yadley, and I've spent the last 17 years of my career in schools as a teacher and principal. I started the Dissect Ed podcast to help you by using my strengths of connecting and relating to bring amazing guests to you each week. We will cover a wide range of topics related to all aspects of and roles in education. My goal? For you to enjoy and feel successful in your role so we keep amazing teachers and leaders in schools. Thank you for all you do. Take care and enjoy. Hey everyone, it's Michaela. Welcome to another episode of the Dissect Ed Podcast. Today, we conclude our roundtable conversation about burnout. You'll remember Debbie, Justin, Jermaine, Jonathan, and Kristen from part one last week. You as listeners may be wondering why I chose a roundtable format to address this topic. And the truth is that while it may have been more of a challenge to produce, burnout is far too important and dynamic to limit to just my perspective. My goal through these first few episodes has been to dive right into something we can all relate to, no matter how connected to education we are. Today, we continue to grapple with our own agency when it comes to addressing and preventing burnout in the workplace. You will hear tangible and concrete things we all do to set boundaries and relieve stress, and we get more direct about what educators need now. I hope this series has helped you either not feel alone if you are struggling with burnout or has given you ideas about what you can do for yourself to prevent it. And if you are in any way responsible for supervising people in the workforce, I hope you can use some of the discussion here to help you care for yourself and for your employees. Next week, I'll recap our series and give you a map of what we're covering next on Dissected. As always, if you have any topics or suggestions, reach me at www.dissectedpodcastmkj.com. Enjoy! That you can hear it from a thousand people and you will not make a change, right? It always ends with you and that's the problem. And the reason you won't make the change is because humans are intrinsically fearful that's also why we don't leave the job because we're afraid we can't get another job or we're afraid we'll look be, we'll look uh, uh, bad to our employers if we don't go and push ourselves further and further. So Jonathan, you're 100% right when you're saying that like it shouldn't be the employee's responsibility, it should be the employer, which is why like at least for me and I can only speak for my company, I try to create that culture in our company. You know, I try to when I talk to my staff, like I care about my staff. I care about my staff's family, just like a good employer would and stuff like that. But I try to cultivate the, you don't have to do it right now and mentality. And especially for what we do, right? Cause especially when you're fixing people's computers and they can't work, they're on your, they're on your ass. Like I can't, this is the, the server is done. And I'm going to get this working right now. Like, and like, we have to jump, but like, I have to tell my staff, like they can wait 15, 20 minutes. You know, because my staff will want to Joe and save the day all the time. You have to cultivate that that culture. And that's very hard because, you know, we're coming from, especially in education, like how everyone here can answer this question. Like, when was the last time there was like a major reform in education that changed the way teaching has happened? Right. Like there have been teachers and there have been students. And yes, like the content 
in classes may have changed, but like there will forever just be a teacher and students and the roles are, you know, very clear cut uh, with that. So unless the, the administration or employers can, can create a better culture, create a better safe space and try to be the one to help. You can't tell the person you're, you're burning out, but you can help guide them that way. That's going to be the start of the change for things. I was just thinking, I think it's Harry Truman's fault because he, my father always told me that was his hero (laughs) that he always said, I'm going to blame somebody. Um, Harry Truman said, if you want a job done, give it to the busiest person around. And I'm saying person. I think Harry said, man. But I know that it's person because, you know, it's not man or, or male or female. It's basically whoever you see. And I think that that's what happens in administration in any job is they find the people that are doing so much and they want something done. And that's who they go to 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 get something done. So they're just kind of like piling it on because they, they know you could do it. And I think about when I was a president of a reading association and I was I had so much to do. And I was afraid to give that job to other people because I, you know, have, you know, just facilitate. I was always like, you know, bearing down on everybody and doing too much of it myself. And they'd say, back off, we can do it, we can do it. But I think that sometimes there's something inside of you that you're just afraid if you don't do it, it's not going to get done or get done the way you want it to. We do impose so much on ourselves. And I mean, sure, I feel like, oh, yeah, I did a great job, but you're right. It isn't a badge of honor. It's something I impose upon myself, and I think that's what we do. And I think that the people who are, you know, our administrators see us as these very productive people, and they're like, you know, well, so-and-so will get it done. They want it done. So I, I see it as unless you actually step up and say, no, I, you know, I'm working on this. I'll be glad to work on that, but I can't do this. I think that people have to start to learn to say no, and I have been. And I haven't gotten fired. <laughs> As a matter of fact, they still want me to keep working. So, you know, my, my principal says, I'm not ready for you to go. Uh, when I retire, you can retire. So I know it isn't that I'm saying no and they want me out because, you know, what happens to a lot of people at retirement ages. They all of a sudden stop wanting to do things, you know, and they're just waiting it out. I'm not doing that. But I have learned to put some limitations on myself and the people that I work with kind of respect that now. And I think before I didn't have that kind of respect. I think sometimes they resented me because I did too much and it made them look bad. You know what I mean? So in some ways, I think that it was easier to, for the people I work with to not always be, you know, taking everything on and saying, I'll do that for you or give that to me. Or, you know, I think I think backing off has actually been easier on my coworkers and I haven't had the, you know, so I think we need to learn to learn to do that, excuse me, and not not always worry that it's going to backfire. You have to have a good relationship with the people you work with and the people who are in your bosses. But I, I just have learned part of it is I'm listening to all this and I'm thinking it's been around for a really long time. It isn't just this generation because I'm older than all of you. Um, but I do no. think that it's no. <laughs> Anyway, I'm social security old anyway, but I'm just thinking that, um, I think that it took me a long time to realize it's okay. It took too long to realize it and that it's okay to say no to these things and you don't have to be everything and you don't have to do it all. And, um, I just said, Hey, Harry, 
you had a point, but I've done my part and I'll just back off and do what I can do. <laughs> anyway. Justin, something you said about fear. Um, I, I think I've, I've started to realize in the past several months how much fear can, and I have always thought, my, thought of myself as fearless, like in a lot of ways, but I think when it comes to my integrity, job performance is part of that. And, um, I hold that, like, I take that so seriously that like, I remember my first, um, my first like month on the job as principal, actually the whole first year, I was essentially waiting to be fired. Like, I just, I'm like, tomorrow's my last day. That's it. They're going to find something. Tomorrow's my last day because of the the type of um, field. That's one of the fields where it's not the only one, but one field where you feel like any wrong move and that could be it for you. Um, and I'm sure it's not just a principal that feels that way. I'm sure that um, every person in that education system um, feel can feel the same way. Um, but once I said, screw it, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to let that dictate everything. Um, is when I did get the courage to either stand up for myself, stand up for the people I was supervising, um, or then eventually, you know, when that wasn't working, leave. Um, but I, that fear, that that I think fear is a component of it that I hadn't really thought of. This podcast episode is brought to you by the 3D Printing Man. Get everything from custom food bowls for your pets to chore lists for your family in more than 15 vibrant colors, all custom designed. Visit his store on Etsy by searching The 3D Printing Man, all one word. Again, that's The 3D Printing Man on Etsy and get 10% off with the code DISSECTED. Do do any of you know of or have you heard of employers who, I mean, Justin, you talked about the things that you do um, for your staff uh, to make sure that, you know, they... um, to prevent burnout, I guess I would call it burnout prevention. Jermaine, when we talked the other night, you had things that you do for the, for the people that you supervise too, um, to make like looking out for them preemptively and proactively and making sure they don't burn out. Um, so I don't know if you want to talk about a couple of those things that you do just because of your experiences and also looking out for people that work for you. Well, like, all right. So, um, I manage a network of service stations here, some commercial customers as well. So I have a couple of people that report to me. And also I'm, I'm part of the senior management team at the company I work for now. Uh, one of the things I do definitely is twice a year, there's a staff day. Uh, and it's during the week. We shut the office. We I pack everyone onto a boat. That and sounds we nice. go <laughs> for a day excursion out to one of the restaurants on the other side of the island. Or... We, we'll we'll rent out a I'll, I'll rent out a cinema, and go and we'll go I'll go watch a movie and then I'll take them to a wine bar for the evening. That's their work day. Or um, like recently during COVID, since the island shut down for a Christmas party, I went <laughs> I took them to the Ritz Carlton and we had a day brunch for the staff for Christmas, and then I gave them all a weekend at the hotel, mm-hmm. and that's just. <laughs> Guys, here, this is, I'm, I have a marketing budget and I had a little slush fund put aside, so that's where the money came from. But I mean, and, and the thing is, and the reason you do that is, is it shows some, for me at least, this is stuff I was one of my bosses to do for me. It's an appreciation thing. And A, the company could afford it. And B, staff, um, the staff who, are there doing the best, doing their best to make sure that stuff is getting done. 
they deserve to be rewarded. And it doesn't have to be monetary. Just a day off from the office, you're still getting your salary. And we're going to take you on. You could eat and drink on the company's dime and just have a day off of work and just unwind and relax. It goes a far way. The amount of people that have come to me and said, you know, boss, we really appreciate it that you get this extra stuff for us. It's like, it doesn't cost me anything for you to get one mental day. And your birthday is not a, a people don't, once you start getting up in age, people don't really real. it's not a, such a big deal. But to know that the company recognizes that day for you and say, here, yeah, go do something for yourself, it, it goes a long way. Between Memorial Day and Labor Day, you got an extra, you got a, 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 fr- a Friday off. You know, we rotate through the staff because you know, we have to always monitor who's on. As long as your stuff's clear, we say by Thursday, clear your stuff up, you're gone Friday. Don't, don't answer Slack, don't answer texts. If I'm calling you, there's a there's an actual emergency. Please pick up the phone. But like, <laughs> I don't think I've had to call my staff yet on a on a summer Friday. So between that, we give people their birthdays off. Um, we, you know, I, I don't think I've ever said no to a vacation request ever. Like I, I you know, like again, when, when you run a small business, and this is where it's a little different than 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 an education. Like, you know. Uh, Sure, our contract says you get three weeks PTO, but like something came up, uh, just ask me. Like I try to, that's what I'm talking about in terms of the culture of it, right? Like just ask, hey, you need the time off? Are we busy? Do you have your stuff done? Yep. Cool, have fun and I'll see you in a couple of days. Like we just can't be so beholden to the to the strict rules of like what, it doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, Michaela and I were talking about this the other day. Like uh, I, one of my, there's a girl who, who reports directly to me at the office. She's a single mom, uh, has a, her daughter is five, six years old, but there's days when her daughter is sick at school or she's got a cold or she has to go to a doctor's appointment. I'm not going to tell her, you know, take that on your vacation or take a half day or go take care of your stuff. I'm not a micromanager. And I think Mikhail and I talk about micromanagement to me is the, is one of the worst things you can do as a supervisor, as a boss, anything. I trust as a professional, you know your job, you know your deadline, get it done. If you get, it, if you get a 15-hour project done in six hours, great. Do something else or you know what? <laughs> take the day off, go home. Go be with your kid. Go paint the house. Go jump in your pool. Go take a swim in the sea. I don't care. Your job is done. But if your job doesn't get done, then we're going to have to have a discussion about that part. And I think that's where the balance comes in. If you give staff, and I'm, I'm sorry, guys, I know um, educators don't have this kind of leniency because you guys have to be in the classroom and stuff like that. You're not as far off the mark as you think you might be as far as um, the relationship between that and then, or the similarities between that and teachers uh, or people in education because, you know, Jonathan, Debbie, Kristen can tell you that, yes, while you have, while you're directly responsible for the kids in front of you, you can't just walk out, right? Like that, that's hard because then things can happen. And especially as the older they get, the bigger the things that can happen can be. Um, but there are so many other chunks of time that are required of teachers um, or educators that don't have to be used in the way that they're used. I guess I'll say it that way. Actually, I can be much more direct. Um, making yeah. people come in on a Saturday to work Saturdays, making a 10 hour work day a requirement and saying, and, and blowing up the hashtag, no days off as a badge of honor. Um, 
you know, sometimes can feel like a rally cry, but at the end of the day, um, you know, led to uh, a lot of people that I supervised leaving. Um, and that didn't feel good. Yeah. And, and Michaela, it also too bleeds over. And I'd be interested to hear, you know, from Kristen and, and Debbie on this too, even just the use of time during the workday, this to me is the biggest thing with burnout. You know, you hear like, oh, a teacher has a, a prep or a planning period. It's like, oh, I get one hour a day to do my 15 hours of, of work in. But then the occupation of that time becomes the most destructive element in education. So I'm in a job where I've got one hour a day to do all my work, which means, you know, doing it at night, you're coming in early, whatever it is. But then that hour is all of a sudden filled in with all of these bizarre mandatory things that are only tangentially related to my job. Uh, here's a, you know, a coaching session here, a staff meeting here, a department meeting. That, well, I'm in three departments. Yeah. So that's, that's my whole, that's every free hour I, I have. And so for me, within the realm of education, if I had to pick one thing, it's have respect for my time because it is my time that is at stake. Like me using up my time is my definition of burnout. And so making sure that the time that I am given is respected is um, profound, profoundly important to me. And, and Michaela, like this, like you said, this idea of this, this no days off, this row, row, row. It's like, no, man, that's, that's my time. Um, and, and allow it to be that. Uh, don't feel, and Jermaine, you mentioned micromanaging, like don't feel like you need to tell me what an appropriate use of that hour of my time is. Yeah, everybody needs different things. I have things. to say that my principal is really good about it. I can't complain about that because if she schedules an RTI meeting or a special ed meeting with, you know, um, an IEP, uh, she she doesn't do it. She try, If she finds out it's during my special, she actually moves it. I am lucky to have a principal who does not plan anything during my planning times. And I am so grateful to that because otherwise I'd be communicating with parents after school and besides getting everything ready. So, you know, I, I'm not going to complain about my principal at all. I think she's very respectful of that. It's absolute truth though. Like what you're saying is true. I went back into the classroom this year and I'm, I'm grateful I did that because I, I was like, man, how, why did I do that to everybody when I was principal? Or why didn't I think more about this? Um, and that wasn't why I went back into the classroom, but I've had that benefit now of being able to look back. But I think what I see emerging here is like, we're hearing Debbie from you about things you appreciate about your supervisor, um, and your principal that she does to protect your time. And we're hearing from Justin and Jermaine as, um, as supervisors or, uh, and, and, um, leaders, things they do to make sure they protect their people's time. And I think what I'm hearing a lot is that, that somebody's looking out for my time or I'm able to look out for my own time is something that's really important as we think about, uh, you know, protecting ourselves or protecting um, our workers from burnout. So it seems like I've heard time mentioned a bunch, like the use of time and the respect of time. This, this, I've heard you guys mention this at the start. Uh, especially the teachers in, in regards to how they've been able to, how they had to teach remotely and in person during the last couple of months. I mean, I know you guys in the U.S. are still going through some of the COVID-19 hardships. Uh, luckily, we're here. We're not. Mm -hmm. uh, but, like, mm -hmm. how much has that contributed to your outlook on the It's been subject? even harder, I think, to hold the lines between your personal time and your, 
professional time because so much of your work is is um, in your home. And when we talk about taking work home with you, it's become um, upsettingly literal uh, a lot of the time. Um, and, and having my work in my home, i.e. teaching a class from my own dining room, uh, you know, just on a personal level is upsetting and invasive. And it, there are a lot of there are a lot of days where, you know, when that time hits, when you know that work day's over, but it's all right there, and you don't have the drive home, and you don't have to pick the kids up from, from school, right? Like all of a sudden, doing that one more thing has one, one less barrier, right? I I'm always able, I'm able to set some boundaries by saying like yep. I've got to leave when the work day is over because I got to get home and pick up my children. But like, when you start knocking down some of those walls, it's like, well, I, I'm going to call that kid back. I, oh, this kid sent me a text at four 30. What are you doing? Okay. I'll do it. I'm, I'm here, you know? Um, and so for me, I would find myself having days where even though the work day would end and I would be making dinner and I'd be playing with my boys and whatever, like, part of the workday was sticking with me until I was going to bed at night in a way that happens frequently anyway, but with the, the line blurred where the work is home with me, I, I found that there were some days where that was, that was worse, especially when you don't, um, when you don't have the ability to do a lot of the things that you might normally do to disconnect. When I, when I have those long days and I can't, uh, you know, go play around a golf because the course isn't open. I can't go to my friend's house to play music or, or you know, whatever the things are that we all do. Um, when we talk about burnout, like never has that word felt as real as it has this year. Like I actually felt like I was out of fuel, like I could not burn anymore to, to sort of abuse the metaphor a bit. Um, so yeah, that was the issue for me was, was I did not, I did not like the breakdown and barriers between uh, work and home at all. Can I pick, no, anyway, so I just wanted to say, Jonathan, I understand totally. It was crazy time. And uh, I, I just hope we never have to go through that again. I won't, I'm retiring, but I hope none of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Debbie. <laughs> 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 Jumping off the ship. No, <laughs> Kristen, how about you? Oh, I just, I thought this year was was very difficult, extremely difficult physically, mostly physically, but mentally also. But we had to move our classroom pack up in its entirety three times this year. They moved us from one building to another building for air quality. And then they moved us back to the building that we were originally in. And then at the end of the year, they made us pack the entire classroom up again which wasn't as bad the third time because we didn't unpack everything um, because they're moving our classroom. Because why not? You've been packing all year, so we'll move you one more time. But that was physically demanding. And also, the um, I work in a classroom that has a teacher and two teaching assistants. So my co-teaching assistant was out almost the entire year because of COVID. And they did not replace her. Mm. And I didn't get a sub for her until probably February. Yeah. So I had to work alone and do the job of two people. And 
they just don't care <laughs> when that happens. So that was physically demanding. And it was just, it was mentally challenging as well doing that job. And I had moved to my, a different house. So I had a, a longer commute, which was good and bad in some ways. Um, and just the worry of everything, you know, having, I have two kids who are 21 and 23 years old and um, just worrying about them during COVID and otherwise. Um, one of them ended up getting COVID. One of them has not. Um, but just, you know, you worry about your kids and I worried about my parents and my father-in-law, my father-in-law ended up getting COVID as well. So it it was just, it was a trying year. It was a very trying so, year. But I think the, I think the message too, and I'll, t I'll take this on because, um, you know, I've, uh, I can, um, I think the message is to, uh, so we're, we're thinking about, you know, Jermaine and Justin being in this entrepreneurial or like senior management level positions, I equate that to a district. Um, school level, yes, but there's only so much sometimes principal can fight for. Um, and I think that the message that I would send, Michaela, uh, to districts is be more like Justin and Jermaine as you're thinking about um, your staff. No, really, though, but, but really, <laughs> be more like them. Um, see them be them because that that is what that is what teachers need that's what everybody needs um they need uh they need the principals to be able to look out for their teachers times or their employees times but be more like them and give uh and give the time back well, and then i think the well, I, I was going to say we've had eight administ no seven administrators in eight years in the early childhood center yeah so i think yeah. that's very telling it is no that, that's something that that doesn't just happen you know people like us um don't just leave because we feel like leaving it takes a lot of courage to leave and also like it's sad when you can't do what you feel like you're called to do because there are, are things that are limiting that and you have to you got to put yourself first um i think that people listening to this episode or this series um will be able to relate to what everybody has said and i also think that jermaine you brought up a great point that a lot of this is um has been exacerbated by the by COVID and by especially being an educator um in during the pandemic but then also I'm sure having to think about like what you're you know being an entrepreneur in that in the pandemic too and what's changed um I want to know what you guys do to uh to just recharge or unwind what what are a couple things that you do or that you'd recommend other people do to either say no and protect those boundaries or just just to unwind We'll start with Jonathan. The luxury of, of having a certain level of, of experience too is a little bit easier to speak truth to power and to say no. I think that I have that advantage over my much younger coworkers. So I think that I'm just getting better at setting limits. But for me, like what helps me recharge is all these aspects of my life outside of work, my marriage, my kids, and then myself, you kind of lose sight of them and everything becomes balled up into the, the part of daily life, especially when you're experiencing burnout, right? Like you're you're bringing your work home, you're bringing your home stuff to work. And so for me, it's sort of recommitting energy to each facet of my life in its own self, like making sure that I have time just for my marriage and for my wife, making sure that I have time just for my kids. And then the most complicated one is making sure like I remember how to be me again, right? I've, I have fairly young kids, I work a lot. And then it's like, you kind of lose the things that you are and I'm rediscovering those things. So like making sure that I have separate 
time for myself too. Um, and for me, that's usually um, competitive sports. I like to play soccer and, and, and golf and, and music. Um, I've had the same best friend for 35 years. So, you know, <laughs> carving out those little moments. So just making sure that I can put my energy into the parts of my life that aren't work in a meaningful, separate, dedicated way. I think it's really the way that I survive and retain any sense of uh, self uh, in the midst of, of hard work and, and hard life and all that chaos. So I make sure that I leave work on time every day. Uh, it's, it, sounds, it sounds like I'm watching the clock, but I, I've, I've set this thing in my head now that I'm going to commit my seven and a half hours to the job. That's it. I've stopped taking work home with me. I bring my laptop home in case something happens, but it stays in this backpack by the door for when I go out to work in the morning, I'll pick it up. That's it. I, I, I don't, I, I don't walk. I used to walk with my work phone everywhere. I, I literally have been carrying two cell phones with me since 2004. Everywhere I go, I always have two phones on me, one for work, one personal. And I've stopped doing that now. Um, in terms of recharging, my friends and I, we, we commit every other Sunday, we barbecue at my house. Everybody brings a dish, we barbecue, we shoot the breeze, <laughs> play football, we go to the gym five days a week at 4 a.m. religiously. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, I, I have to, and like when the ad hoc stuff, one of my friends, he started playing golf. I used to play golf years ago and I stopped. And my clubs are still sitting over in that corner collecting dust. So I told him I'm going to go with him this Friday. That, that's going to be our happy hour. We're going to go Friday out to the range and just chip away, try to catch back up. That's one of the ad hoc stuff. But I, I, I try to leave. And what Jonathan said is key for me. I leave work at work. And when I'm home, it's friends, family, and personal time. I, I try to find little projects like my wife, dad That's gave him. her a boat. So I'm working on that now. That's my home project. Stripped it down and I'm guys got a boat. He's taking me to the restaurant. Michaela, how have you kept this man a secret from me for all of these years? <laughs> it's different because, uh, it, from me, because as the owner, first off, I've always worked from home, right? Um, I, oh, uh, so, so people were like, oh, how did you get used to COVID? I'm like, nothing, nothing changed for me, right? Like, and I, and I joke around that like everyone else caught up to my idea of like you don't have to go to you yeah. don't have to go to the office. Um, <laughs> I just want to talk real quick on something Jonathan said earlier, and I think this is really important. <laughs> you mentioned that you worked from your dining room uh, table for school, and I think this is a huge thing for anyone who's listening. The one of the problems is if you don't have a physical barrier between work and home, you cannot break the the cycle. I have an office. I took a spare bedroom upstairs. It's part of our attic. It's very hot up here because it's humid out. <laughs> but I can walk out and close the door. If I close the door, which I never do, but if I can't, if I do, I close the door. I am separated from the rest of my life. And that it, that's a huge thing. Um, so to break away from that, um, when it's the summertime, I try to go for a walk every day. I listen to podcasts. I listen to books. Um, uh, when it's when it's not summer, I'm, uh, I try to get on the Peloton. Michaela was there for my for my 300th ride um, that night. PR'd on that day, <laughs> dude. I got I PR'd also. It was my best one for like ever. Yeah. It was awesome. Um, I actually I have a couch in my office because there are days where I know I feel like I'm not going to be able to do it. Uh, like even today, right? Like before I got on this call, this call with y'all, um, 
I was on the phone for three hours trying to walk somebody through like setting up two VoIP phones, which should have taken like 15 minutes or three hours because of problems. And so I like between that call and this, I was like, I'm taking a nap. Like I just like I have to just like get it out of my head. And I just took a nap. Like that that's what I do. My wife yells at me, she's like, You're 40, you only you take a nap, you're so old. I'm like, leave me alone. <laughs> like I, I, I'll 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 break away. But I'm also at this point in my life, um, and this is for a whole nother conversation about like how I got here, but like I got to the point in my life where I could know see it when it's coming up. Because for me it's a daily thing. Seeing it mm-hmm. happening, realizing that like my clients are stressing me uh, that out, then I'm gonna take a break. And I will tell um, our operations manager, who I always give a big up to every time I'm on a podcast. So thank you, Lauren. Um, mm-hmm. I'd be like, I'm I'm taking a break. You know, ping me if you need me. But like I'm off for an hour or two or whatever it is, because I know I, I trust my staff. They they they've got the work covered. And then when I'm ready and I'm good, I come back and I'm clear headed and, and I get in it. I don't have. Um, hobbies i guess like you know i'll fix stuff around the house or i'll clean or i'll do dishes whatever it is but like i just need to be able to just get a if, if, I, if I could get away from my desk because remember i'm in it i'm always in the computer i'm always online i'm always doing stuff like that if i can just get away from my desk listen to a podcast listen i'm listening to the uh the original arsene lupin book right now like get away take a walk for like 45 minutes to an hour come back and i'm like good to go um, but it's, it, it took a lot of time to get to the point to realize that's what does it for me, right? Cause mm-hmm. everyone's going to be a little different. Figuring out what it is that does it for you, uh, is, is crucially important to not have long-term effects here. Absolutely. I think for me, it was, um, I figured out taking walks. I never took walks cause I was running or playing sports and walking to you seemed pointless and I've realized now the power of a walk. <laughs> yeah, my mm. head clears. It's like it just happens um, no matter how stressful the day is. And so I have to hold myself more accountable because um, I'm a sucker for kids who need help. And so then I was, you know, at the end of the year, especially like I was mostly spending my time doing that. But I then I made sure I left work and did the Peloton. Like I made sure I did the Peloton three nights a week or something like that. So forcing myself to have balance, too. That's what I've done. But walks, walks have done it for me. Who knew? But they that's what's done it Kristen um well I love walking I walk all the time and on the weekends I I go off-road walking and hike so I'll hike anywhere and usually Ryan will take my brother will take me to all different hiking spots because if you put me in the woods I will get lost <laughs> don't <laughs> yeah I, do I not put me on my own <laughs> I'm I'm actually down in South Carolina right now visiting my parents and um I have ventured out. They're not walking with me and I cannot push two wheelchairs at a time. So no. <laughs> <laughs> that would be difficult. So I've gone out on some adventures by myself, but I try to I try to go in a straight as straight a line as possible through the paths because it's very hot here and try to find my way back because I've gotten lost just in their neighborhood. <laughs> I don't know how I I get lost very easily. (laughs) So yes, that's how I de-stress, and that's I love going walking and the beach. I get yes, the beach. Debbie, bring us home. You are now not you are retiring. Tell us. 
How do we get there? <laughs> well, I know. I, I'll tell you, I, I still am cleaning my room, so I'm not done yet. But um, I think walking was the thing that saved me. I met, I live in a very rural area. I met neighbors I didn't know I had. And we talked to each other from like, I'd be on the street and they'd be in their yards. And I got to meet people. And uh, that part was lovely. And I just keep doing that now. I also just started martial arts. And um, but <laughs> I think during wow. While I'm teaching, I was part of a lot of groups. And I think that's why I teach. I love teaching so much is I am successful in a, a teaching environment, my family. But I also have like my theater family, my book club family. And then, of course, there's the family I have with your mother. And and it's yeah. the laughter. And the, we have game night. And we have I think that laughter has gotten me through a lot of this by being with people outside of, you know, any group of friends. And just being with those people has helped helped a lot get out get away and laugh about things and don't vent all the time try laughing because I know when I vent I just dig myself deeper so I go there (laughs) I try to make it funny when I'm going through something awful and we all laugh and I feel better about it um the other thing is live music or music I just feel like uh whenever I can go see anybody live it's great and if I just listen to music even with my class I you know I start the morning with uh you know Yo-Yo Ma on the cello, and I end it with um, Time to Say Goodbye. Uh, you know, we play the blues. We do everything. <laughs> I just feel like music helps me during the school day. And my kids, we'd read a story um, about uh, a hurricane and how a father played Blueberry Hill for his son. And I'd be like, here, we're going to play Blueberry Hill. And, you know, and talk <laughs> about the, you know, uh, it just putting music in school. I feel like a lot of that helps and I really feel like getting to know my kids more and not worrying about curriculum as much oh my god I can't believe I said that but I really feel like once you know yeah okay I think that the best thing you can do for a happy year is not worry about whether you finish something and and think more about how are those kids doing and tune into them and I don't know, get up and dance, do something. So that way you relieve that pressure because when I'm miserable, they're miserable too. And if they're going through something miserable, then it it makes the whole class miserable. You have to know your kids. You have to gauge them. Music, laughter, friendship, get out, go out to eat as much as you can, uh, you know, and, and walk. All those things I think are great. People need to stop what they're doing and say, it's over, move on. And, you know, when I see that sunset, it's like, it's my time. I want to thank all of you because, um, I think that this is such a beneficial conversation. I know I mean, I've benefited from it, but I think beneficial for anybody who's going to hear it because everybody's in a different, I think we called it like a journey of self-awareness or where we came to our point of knowing where we were at as far as burnout. And I think everybody's in a different place there. Um, and so to hear everybody talking about when they became aware of it, how they did, what they do about it, I think will be really helpful. Okay, folks, this concludes our roundtable discussion on burnout. I want to thank our guests, Jermaine, who at this point feels like a co-host, Kristen, Debbie, Justin, and Jonathan, for sharing their stories and tips. Next week, I will briefly recap our series on burnout and give you a preview of what's next. As always, visit me at www.dissectedpodcastmkj.com. Have a great week.